Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Ah, you've been listening to the Rumination Show, uh, highlighting issues around homelessness and rooming houses. Welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial. Hi, I'm Bill, and first I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which 3CR transmits our people-powered radio. Uh, each week on the Living Free Show, we highlight one of the 12-step recovery programs that assist um, recovery from drugs, alcohol, gambling and food addictions. Our guests share their recovery experience and show us that shared experience saves lives. Today my guest is Steve, uh, he's a member of Alcoholics Anonymous and he's going to be sharing how AA has helped him to recover from alcoholism. So welcome to 3CR studio this afternoon. Hi Steve. Hi Bill, thanks for having me. Ah, it's a pleasure. Um, so yeah, we usually um, start the program talking about you know early life and how, how we got into, into the drinking pattern I guess. Um, so what was life like for you growing up? Well I grew up with one brother. Uh, my mum was someone, she got sober when I was about eight. So early on she, uh, did drink, but at that age I didn't know any better. It was a life I knew. And when I was 12, the first chance I had to get drunk, I did. I was, uh, end of season football trip camping. I stole a six pack, drank it, got drunk and continued on from there. And I, I didn't look back. I, every chance I had to drink, I did. Yeah. And so what did it do to you? I, I, I've heard it since. Uh, a guy once said at a meeting he drank because he didn't know how to be sober, and that's probably what it was for me. I felt awkward, a little bit out of step, even though I had friends, uh, probably a lot of anxiety. But when I drank, I felt okay. I felt as if I could cope. And I drank a lot of my own. Uh, yeah. Um, so what about your brother? Was he a drinker? He was a drinker. He yeah. he got sober in AA when I was about 14 or 15, so I drank with him. And a lot of my friends, I felt more comfortable with people that drank. Yeah. And not because we drank, but I didn't get asked awkward questions. A lot of other people, they wanted to know what my family, what I did, what yeah. I, was these people, we just roamed the suburbs together. We didn't have to speak at length about anything. Yeah. And I felt more at ease. Anonymous, really. Anonymous, <laughs> yes, and and certainly you gravitate to people similar to you, and you feel more comfortable. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, um, what's it like growing up with an alcoholic mum? Look, I didn't know any different, so it's hard for me to compare. But mm. it it was difficult. Uh, mum wasn't there a lot. I was lucky. I lived right next to the schools I went to, so from grade one I walked to and from school. Yeah. But often I got home and she wasn't there, and I couldn't get into the house. Uh, Dad worked. Um, so I'd often be around at friends' places. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of parenting going on at that age from my mum. Yeah, okay. Um, did that have any particular challenges for you as a child? It certainly did because I was aware it was different. When I went to other people's homes uh, and you know had parties, both their parents were there, yeah. uh, they were sober, they were active, and that wasn't the case at my place, like I said. And mum would often check herself into a motel for a week to drink because she didn't want to do it at home. She yep. was hospitalised a lot okay. uh, as well. So there was a, freak ab there was a lot of absences there. Okay. Um, so did, how did things change when she got sober? 
Well, uh, she was gone a fair bit because she was she got sober through AA and she went yep. to a meet a lot of meetings. So at night she was at meetings. Yeah. Um, and uh, my memory is uh, certainly was better for my dad. I certainly noticed a change in him. Yeah. Uh, because he, he was relax. working yeah. long hours. Yeah. And obviously worried about what was happening at home that wasn't there. Um, Mum was more active in our lives, but still, you know, I didn't know what this AA thing was at that stage. I was about eight years old when it happened. Yeah. It was a couple of years before I was exposed to, you know, aspects of AA meetings and, and weekends. Yeah, okay. Um, so did you do anything differently once your mum got sober? Could you, re- could you relax a bit? Or? I don't think I'd, I don't think I relaxed anymore. It's hard... You know, I'm almost 50, so it's a yeah. long time ago. So I, 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 what I did notice was um, uh, mum, I resented my mum a lot. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of deep-seated yeah. resentment there that all of a sudden uh, a lot of the incidents that had happened and feelings there didn't go away for me. Mm. You know, maybe for her they did. Um, uh, and I've spoken to her since, obviously, I have a very close relationship now, but... She said, "All I could do was be the best mum I could be from that age. I couldn't undo anything I'd done. Yep. And for an eight, nine, ten-year-old, that doesn't compute. Though no. I'm not, I wasn't at the level we could discuss that. So there was just a lot of resentment, and I, and I didn't like being around her at times. At certain times, I just didn't want to be near her, and I couldn't understand why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes a while for an alcoholic to recover sufficiently yes. to be able to address those issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, at school, then we." Uh, did you have good good school school life friends? Yeah, no, I had yeah. friends. It deteriorated. It's interesting. I'm sure if you looked at my report cards early on, I was I was quite smart and was ducks in my class through a couple of primary school. But sort of, I think from year seven on, it just slowly disintegrated as far as my schooling. And I I was suspended a few times and always around drinking. Um, I. I certainly had a lot of friends there, but never felt part of it. it was that age-old thing of yeah. the outside looking, and you probably think, yeah, Steve's playing sport, he's got friends, he's doing this. But there was one or two friends I, I was very close to, and as it turned out later on, they had similar issues that I did. Right, okay. Um, so what about – did you get involved in any drugs? Drug I did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did, from a fairly early age. Yeah. Um, but alcohol, it was always in conjunction with alcohol. There wasn't many times um, that I would just spend a month uh, of abstinence from alcohol and taking drugs. Um, mm. Drugs were part of alcohol yeah. for me. Yeah. So what was it like for you getting involved in your mum's AA activities? It was difficult. They have AA has a lot of weekends where yeah. people get together, and and I used to go along to them. And I met a lot of the other young kids. And there's a program called Alateen, which is for the younger kids associated with alcoholics. And I attended that and met people. And surprisingly enough, a lot of those kids I met there are sober in AA today. You yeah. know, and we we drank together. You know, um, but I liked alcoholics. Yes. Mum's sober yeah. alcoholic friends and she when she got a a bit longer sober she um sponsored younger girls coming into AA and who were older than I was but I I related to them and I got on well with them and I'm still friends with a lot of them today yeah so I liked them yes 
you know, I didn't know why at the time. It kind of now I kind of do. They were yep. they were similar to me. Yes, <laughs> surprisingly. Uh, yeah. So Alatine's part of Alaron family groups. Um, so did you were you exposed to Alaron as well? I was. I yep. knew a lot of the Alaron ladies, and it was. When you go to a lot of these weekends, you'd often have one of the parents in AA, the other parent in Alan on, the kids in Allentine, and, yep. and I knew all yep. of them. Yeah. Um, I didn't get. I went to some Alan on meetings when I just when I was around nineteen. I was in a lot of trouble. Um, I remember breaking down, and my mum suggested I go to AA, and I didn't want to. I didn't understand, despite Why? the drinking yeah. I was doing. Yeah, I was yeah. denial. So I thought I'd go to Alan on, uh, and I did. Probably about a month of Al-Anon at that stage. I was doing quite a few meetings a week because yep. mentally I was struggling. Um, and as good as it was, even though I was suggesting AA would probably be better fit because I knew a few of them. They were um, people I'd known for a while. Yep. Uh, so they knew my history, knew what, what I was up against. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in Alan, Alan, it's a lot, lot like having a lot of aunties. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. So it's a lot, lot of love there. Yeah. Uh, but they, they, they knew that yeah. they couldn't help me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what about other relationships then? Did you have? Uh, I was scared of girls. I, I think um, the first girlfriend I had, I was a maybe late seventeens, maybe just eighteen. Mm. Um, but I certainly wasn't comfortable because I felt that any relationship like that would expose everything I hated about myself. I was incredibly frightened mm. of being exposed and I didn't know what of, but I, I protected myself by isolating and certainly being involved with a girl was one way um, I thought of exposing all of the fears I had about myself and, yep. and inadequacies. Okay. Um, so what about drinking? How did you, how'd you do your drinking in those days? Um, my dad used to have a wine cellar. We slowly, my brother and I, whittled that away to nothing. Um, he wasn't a big drinker, and and no. they actually owned a nightclub too. My parents oh, at this okay. stage, so we had a bit of alcohol at home, um, and we drank that. But I stole it. Yeah. Um, we used to get people to buy it. Um, we drank in the local park, the local cemetery, play at night where you know people weren't gonna, you weren't gonna run into people. You could yeah. sort of be left alone. Yeah. Um, certainly parties at that age, you know, you'd sneak alcohol in. Um, so most of your friends drank? Yeah, a fair few of them did, yeah. yeah. But I, I, the ones that didn't drink, I didn't want to hang out with as much. And I was someone who was – I used to actually take – occasionally take a hip flask to school of alcohol just so I knew it was there. And I yeah. did that often. If I had a sleepover at someone's place, they didn't drink, I'd often take that just in case I needed it, yeah. whether I used drank it or not. Uh, wasn't the case, but I, I always wanted to know I could get to alcohol. That kind yeah. of put me at ease yeah. a little bit more. Okay. Um, and so what about your mum? What did she think of your drinking at those days? It must have been horrific for her because she would have known uh, from a very early age um, where I was heading and she'd obviously been through it. Um, yeah. She knew there probably wasn't much I could do. Uh, there, there's no bargaining um, with an alcoholic when they're drinking, no. um, the decision it's it's, and it must have been difficult. But I never felt judged by my mum, um, and as I said, the the relationship with her um, has obviously gotten incredibly strong since I got sober. But that period where she was sober and I was drinking, yeah, um, would have been incredibly difficult for her. Um, and there was still a fair bit of anger there, I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, there was still a, the resentment teen, lingered. Teenage anger, resentment's pretty strong. Yeah, like, well, I think it was a combination yeah. of history, my age, my situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, did you have any um, any of your friends at that stage who were in AA? I there was one guy I lived with. Um, he moved when he moved out. He went overseas for twelve months. He came back after twelve months overseas in a bad way. He knew my mum was in AA. Um, he was reasonably close with my mum, so he went and saw her and decided to go to some meetings. I'd moved back home and I knew he was doing meetings and he'd often come around to my place and him and my brother, who was sober at this stage, my mum would go to meetings and I wouldn't. Yeah. Um, and I, I spent a bit of time with him at that stage and even he was saying, you know, you should come to a meeting and I couldn't, I didn't know why. I thought, does he need someone to hold his hand? I didn't, yeah, yeah I didn't understand he was talking about me. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it, that blindness to yeah. the drinking? Yeah, because I guess most most alcoholics see alcohol as a solution, yep. not as a problem. Yeah. And it's only when you become aware it's a problem yeah. that, yeah, things change. There's very few times I can remember where I actually thought there was something wrong. I was very good at just putting yep. it behind me and moving on. The blinkers are on, yep. move forward. Yep, okay. Um. So when when did you think that alcohol started to become a problem for you? Honestly, probably when I was 6 months sober. I, okay. Yeah. yeah, it was it was a a slightly different process for me. I I was in a lot of trouble mentally. I I thought insanity was my biggest fear and I remember breaking down one day with my mum and saying I I can't cope anymore. I can't do this anymore. And she suggested I go to AA, and that's when I went to Al-Anon for a while. Eventually went to an AA meeting with my friend who was sober um, and felt comfortable. I think it was uh, for an hour and a half in that meeting I felt comfortable. And I started doing meetings thinking I was a fraud, yep. <laughs> but I was too frightened to be on my own. And probably at six months sober after a lot of meetings, I think I worked out my own head and... Uh, that I was alcoholic. I wouldn't speak at meetings. I didn't identify as an alcoholic, and it took me six months before I did that. Um, wow. Yeah. So it was far, it was it was a little bit different for me. Yeah. Um, and I was young at that stage. I, you know, I, there was no family, kids, yeah. you know, careers gone. Where there was a lot of external forces going. Look what you've thrown away in your life. It's alcohol. Yeah. I, I was nineteen, and my biggest problem was insanity. I, I thought mentally I was in a lot of trouble. I couldn't relate that to alcohol. That took six months of pretty much daily AA meetings for me. Yeah. Um, so fearing you're going to go insane. Yeah. Did that cause you to drink more? It it certainly did. That yeah. last six months, I like I said, I'd moved out of home fairly young, and I'd moved back home and. It certainly did because it was almost as if alcohol, as you said before, alcohol is the answer. If I've got alcohol in my system, I'm drinking, it's okay. I can cope. It wasn't so much that life was going to be so much better, yeah. but not drinking was intolerable for me at that stage. Yeah. Having alcohol in my system seemed to be the best way to cope. Yeah. Okay. Uh, also, we might take a quick break. Tree Project are a Melbourne-based organisation that have been replanting Indigenous trees in Victoria for 30 years now, and we need your help. You can become a Tree Project member, a seedling grower in your own backyard, or organise your friends to do a planting day. If you're a landholder in rural Victoria and would like to restore habitat on your land, Tree Project is keen to help out. 
We also offer sponsorship opportunities and take work teams for a planting day. Visit treeproject.org.au to learn more. A 3CR supporter. This is the Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. If you're interested in listening to one of our many podcasts, then you can head to your preferred podcast platform or 3cr.org.au forward slash living free. There you'll also find details about contacting Living Free Show um, and other interesting stuff about the show. Um, It's subscriber month at 3CR, and thanks to those people who have subscribed to Living Free. If you still want to subscribe, then you can either call the station on 9419 8377 or head to the 3CR website and um, become a subscriber. Today I'm talking with Steve, and we're talking about recovery from alcoholism with the help of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, So Steve, going to AA and sort of not, not fitting in initially, what was the thing that caused you to sort of connect with AA in the end? The connection with other sober alcoholics. Yeah. Plain and simple. I I was incredibly angry at the time. I was running a lot, like mentally running. Yep. Physically, I wasn't eating. I found it difficult to settle down. And I was shown incredible compassion and understanding uh, by sober members of AA. And they were... When they spoke, they spoke about how their lives were at that point, which I couldn't relate to. But then when they spoke about their drinking and their early sobriety, I could relate to that. Yep. And I saw people that weren't where I was, yep. but what they'd done to get to where they were now was the program of AA attending meetings. Yep. Um, so did you have any challenges getting into AA? Not really. I felt comfortable around alcoholics. I, I, yeah. I was probably the other. I had so much respect for AA yeah. that I didn't want to be a fraud. I, I was. I wanted to be a hundred percent sure I was an alcoholic, and I was probably the only one that was at any doubts. Yeah, considering <laughs> the people that knew me. Yes. Um, yeah. And I, I had a lot of respect for AA because I knew what it had done for my mum. Yeah. Uh, and when I got to meetings, I, I think the one thing I did get from my first meeting was I got hope. Yeah. There was some part of that <clears throat> meeting that I got hope, which I hadn't had for a long time. And as a lot of people I've spoken to since in and out of AA, when you're living a life and you have no hope and you don't know what's yeah. going on, uh, it's a very lonely existence. And I got some hope and faith and direction from that first meeting. It just took me a while to sort of calm down enough to see it for myself and believe it, like believe it where it counted. Yep. Okay. Um, so you said initially you went with your friend to AA, so did yes. he continue going? He did, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, you know, we did a lot of meetings together. We, he lived, I got sober in Brisbane, he lived on the south side, in the south I lived mid-north and yeah, a lot I, of traveling. yeah, a lot of traveling. He didn't have a license, so I was over there picking him up. We, yeah. you know, and a lot of us did that, a lot of the young people, we spent a lot of time hanging out, having dinners, coffees after meetings, going to movies, you know, had this peer group, um, because at that stage... Most people in that age bracket are going out drinking and it revolves around that and our lives revolved around going to AA meetings. Yeah. So did your fear subside? They did. They did. Yeah, They certainly they don't go away. I mean, uh, life has a habit 
um, of throwing a, a lot of different things up at a lot of different stages. And being sober and free of alcohol doesn't guarantee an easy run in life. The problems I have now and the anxieties I've now are because I've chosen to live a life and there are problems associated with that. I with don't life, have that yeah. deep-seated fears and anxieties with me constantly. Yeah, okay. Um, and what's it like seeing alcoholics and other people out there drinking and you're recovering? What's that like for you? Uh, twofold. One, it can be incredibly sad and difficult. You know, obviously I've been sober over 28 years and... I've seen a lot of people come into AR. I've spoken to a lot of people that I just don't see again, that you hear haven't made it. Um, and that's incredibly sad because I know the benefits I've got. The other part of it is all I can do is stay sober myself and there's a very selfish aspect to it. And I remember once wanting to know all the statistics of AA and a guy said to me, <laughs> not many people get here, even less stay. Make sure you're one of them. And that's that selfish side of it. I, I yeah. You know, and that's all I can do. And and you can often feel guilty. I've lost some close friends that didn't make, and there can be a lot of guilt. Yeah. With that, why did I get it? What I did so much not to get this, and I had so much and advantage with my knowledge of AA, close family members. Yeah. Why did I have that, and other people didn't? Um, so yeah, it can be quite difficult. Yeah. And so, how's it helped your mental health? Um, it's interesting. There's a lot of focus on mental health these days. You know, it's okay not to be okay yep. is one of the slogans I like because one thing I got from AA early on was it was okay to be where I was at. It was okay, okay. to be an alcoholic. Yeah. It was okay to be yeah. angry. It was okay to be sad. It was okay to be whatever I was feeling. I was told feelings aren't facts. You're allowed to have these feelings. So when I hear this now, I was doing this 30 years ago, mm. you know, and I know the benefits I got from that. That alone doesn't guarantee you any forward success, but it's a good starting point that you feel okay to talk about it. You know, a lot of people, that first step to walk into a meeting, admit there's a problem, everything good comes from that. Without that, nothing good comes. Uh, And certainly I've been given a lot of tools and a lot of support to deal with problems outside of just alcohol. Yeah, you know, as as we grow older, we have a lot of issues with wives, kids, work, and I find a lot of what I've learnt in AA and a lot of how I've dealt with things internally for my own well being matter uh, a great deal of help for a lot of the external issues I, I have to deal with in life. Yeah, yeah, because it's about living. It yeah. is about living. Yeah, I, I got sober to live a life, and I've yeah. certainly taken advantage of that. Yeah. Um. So, coming into AA, then um, is. The first 12 months is often difficult. Yes. So did you find that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It was, I would be driving to meetings knowing that meetings and sobriety and the program of AA was my way out, but resenting and hating the fact I had to do that. Yeah. And that's, once again, it's a yeah, it's, contradiction. Yeah. The, the dichotomy of that was, yeah. was difficult. So, and I, but I was also told, and I did, I picked up, I was over 12 months and picked up. And I remember I heard it a few times. You can do your first 12 months as many times as you like. And yeah. that came to me. And, and luckily, I've been sober since. Yeah. Um, it's been a long time. But certainly, when I first got there, there was a lot of anger and resentment about the fact that I had an opportunity to get better about life, which doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, yeah. it's often said in AA, if you said to someone suffering incurable cancer, go to a few meetings and you'll live a long life, they yeah. would jump at it. Yeah. Here I am resenting that opportunity yeah. given to me. <laughs> it's classic, isn't it? It is. 
Uh, and so what was the, the situation where you picked up? What what caused it? I, I don't know. I just picked up alcohol. I, I, I'm lucky. I don't know if I'm lucky or unlucky. I've never questioned why I'm alcoholic. A lot of people want to know if it's genetic. If I don't care if it's genetic, dietary, bad <laughs> luck, whatever. Yeah. What I do know is when I got sober, my life got better. And I got sober because I came to AA. Yeah. Um, obviously, three of three members of my family out of four are sober in AA, so maybe genetics have got something to do with it. They have done a lot of studies, but I've tried to stay away from that because I'm more interested in, you know, the 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 solution rather than why I am. Yeah. Um, but I did hear at a meeting once a guy said he he drank because he didn't know how to be sober, and I, that's about as close as I can get. When I was sober. I didn't like life as much. I didn't cope as well. I felt exposed. You know, when I was yeah. drunk, I had alcohol with me. I felt like I could barely cope, but I could at least cope. Yeah. It's a bit like that analogy that if I'm lost in the desert, I don't spend all my time trying to figure out why I'm lost in the desert. Exactly. You, know, you spend your time figuring out how to get out of it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so surrender is a big part of AA. So yes. what? why do you surrender? Why? Because it works. Yeah. That's a simple answer. Why it works is part of, in my opinion, and this is just my, is part of faith. Yeah. You know, we're not meant to have, the reason faith works is because we don't have the answers or the knowledge of the why. We do it regardless and get the benefit. Yeah. And as I said, I picked up a drink after being sober for 12 months and I woke up that next morning realizing it wasn't a dream, it was real, and I surrendered. Yeah. Alcohol beat me. I'm not. I wasn't. Yeah. Fight. I'm not fighting it anymore, and I yeah. want to fight it. Alcohol yeah. won. Yeah. <laughs> easily, and easily, and would have yeah. kept on winning had I kept on drinking. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, some of the challenges once you once you are sober, is just life. So has life thrown you a lot of challenges? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think. You go through a bit of a honeymoon period where you think now that you're sober and doing something good that nothing bad should ever happen or no situation yeah. should be too difficult. Yeah. And you suddenly realise that's not the case. And you realise as much as people close to you are happy that you're sober, you've still got to be a decent human being to be in their lives. You don't get yes. a free pass forever. You yeah. know, yeah. a lot of behaviour has to change. And certainly, as I said, I'm almost 50. I've been sober 28 years. Um, I've gone through a lot in that 28 years. You know, I've moved from Queensland to Melbourne when I was fairly young. I've gone through a separation. Uh, I have kids. I've had businesses. I've bought businesses, sold businesses. Um, I've had to deal, as I said, with that guy that came in that I got sober with. Uh, just over 10 years he picked up and he hasn't gotten back. Um, there's a lot of things like that have happened. And all I can do is stay sober and try and deal with things as best I can. But certainly I was told very early on that life doesn't stop and become good because I get sober. You know, there's still difficulties in there. But what I have got is the hope and faith that no matter what happens, yep. I'll be okay. You know, I will be okay. There's nothing now that I, I can deal, that I they have to deal with that I won't deal with sober. Yeah. So um, obviously having a lot of alcoholics in one room is a difficult situation. Yes. <laughs> You've yes. all got resentments and grudges. Yes. So what is it about AA that keeps people... United. I think there's a quiet desperation that all alcoholics have. I, I, I mean, as we were chatting before we came on air, um, I, I mightn't have been receptive to AA because I didn't, but I was receptive to survival. 
and a lot of alcoholics are like that. And yeah. I think, you know, there's a saying that the reason AR works is, yeah, we're all mad, but not on the same day. And often that's yeah. how it works, that there's people that have been around a bit longer, you know, that tend to be able to set the mood for certain situations that come up that new members can't. But I think deep down, I've, I don't get on with everyone in AA. Uh, but I have a lot of respect for people that are sober. And some of the people that have helped me the most are the people, when I first met them, I thought it was least likely to have an impact on my life. Yeah. That's, least uh, likely. Yeah, that's moving from that anger, isn't it? From Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. and, and realising too that um, there's got to be an openness and a willingness in AA. I mean, AA doesn't, you don't walk in and read a book and walk away and life's problems are solved. There's a lot of action you have to put in and a lot of effort you have to put in, but it's doing it with other people yeah. that makes it easy. And that can be a peer group of people, similar sober, longer sober members. And, and plus it's <clears throat> it's not looking at others, it's just looking at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But base yourself on, uh, I've always looked at where I've come from. So when I first got sober and I compared myself to people who'd been sober a long time, I failed miserably. Yeah. But when I looked back on... And in bigger chunks, not from day to day, but every six months or 12 months, it's good to look back because often I can go, hang on, yep. 12 months ago, the, now I'm a lot better. You know, I, I go through, I remember when I went through a whole day once without going to a meeting. So I went to meetings all the time. I thought the first day I didn't go to a meeting, I would cease to exist. Yes. Because it was so important to me. And I couldn't get to a meeting that day and I went through it and I was okay. You know, and there's these small progressions as we move yeah. along. Yeah. Um, and so the 24-hour concept, yes. but it's for life, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. I knew that. Yeah. I think we discussed that earlier. I mean, when they said it's 24 hours, I knew that meant forever. But it's one, it's two things. One, it's a coping mechanism. Yes. You know, when you first get sober, and, and I remember at times I was so... Uh, it was so difficult for me to get through the next you know, hour or two hours. And I remember once I saw my clock hit midnight in my room and I panicked thinking that's the end of, I can't do another time. I went my clock back yeah. <laughs> and just did from 11 to 12 again. And it sounds silly, but I did whatever I could do to cope with the next hour, the next five minutes. Yeah. And by breaking it down, and, and as I said, doing it with other people and hearing how they did it, because that's what I couldn't, I couldn't convince myself. When you go to a lot of AA meetings, I could never walk away from a meeting and go, but it's different from me once I'd heard what other people had been through and how they dealt with it. I could never say, yep. I am different. I can't do this. You know, and that was important for me to understand because then it became a matter of, well, if they can do it, yeah. I can do it. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Awesome. We might take another break. Julian Assange, the editor and founder of WikiLeaks, is facing extradition from the UK to the USA at a trial commencing in London on Monday the 24th of February. A public rally will take place where we can call on all parties involved to end the torture of Julian Assange. Let's help bring home Melbourne's own Walkley Award-winning journalist. If he is extradited, he faces a secret military trial and a likely 175-year prison sentence, if not the death penalty. Please be on the right side of history and join us on Friday the 21st of February, 6.30pm at Victoria State Library. Part in the 
No Extradition Rally is brought to you by Melbourne for WikiLeaks, proud supporter of Community Radio 3CR. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. Tune in to Done By Law. An informal and irreverent look at the law. Critical insights and analysis from diverse community perspectives. Done By Law, 6pm Tuesdays. Oh, you're listening to The Living Free Show on 3CR, on digital radio, and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. Um, I'm talking with Steve, and we're talking about recovery from alcoholism uh, with the help of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, so, Steve, uh, we're sort of talking about being an AA, um, and one of the things, um, it helps you sort of get together with people. So did that stop you isolating just by having people that you could contact? Did you actively seek out people or did you try and stay individual? Yeah, when I first got sober, I actively sought people out. Yeah. Uh, and I was very fortunate that uh, a lot of young people came into it. I got sober back in the early 90s and a lot of young people came in then. When I first went to meetings, there weren't many young people. Now... Uh, I'm exactly the same. I've got a lot of close friends I've grown up with, got sober with. Uh, we might be spread out through the country, but we certainly, um, with modern technology, it's quite easy to keep in touch with people. When I first got sober, it wasn't as easy. Yeah. Uh, but certainly that's important for me. But ultimately, if I choose to sit at home on my own and isolate, I can. Uh, I've got to remember it's it's a choice for me sometimes. And you know, I don't often believe that you're as happy as you make up your mind to be, but I can certainly make myself miserable by choice and the choices I make in life. Yeah, yeah. And the examples in AA, just looking for the similarities and understanding, being able to reflect on your own life, I think is very helpful. Did you find that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's the difference with with AA and I don't know any other way to get sober so I'm yeah. not I'm not talk, I'm not trying to run down any other way people get sober AA was very simple AA when I first got there they were just like this is the program of AA as written everything else is people's experiences in AA which yeah. doesn't necessarily reflect AA it doesn't but I related to those experiences and I did look for those similarities and as I said before I saw people that knew where I was because they spoke about it and they told me what they did and how they weren't like that anymore. And that's what I had to do. Yeah. So, um, yeah, most alcoholics isolate. And in isolation, alcoholics often die. Yes. So having somewhere to go that you feel comfortable is very important. Um, so in, in AA, it encourages you to get honest with yourself. How did you find that process? Incredibly difficult. And I still do. Yeah. I still do. I am the easiest person in the world to fool. Like, fool yourself. Yeah. Fool yourself, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, um, there's a saying, if you're keeping secrets, you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. And I found that difficult. And I've had a lot of situations 
where alcohol isn't the only thing that can run me down. You know, I don't drink, but there's plenty of other things that come up in life that can be damaging to the person I want to be. And ultimately what I believe is it doesn't matter what the first lie I tell myself is. The last lie is alcohol can not hurt me or it's okay to have a drink. And there's lots of stages. And isolation is the start of that because then I start running the show and I start believing things I shouldn't believe. And it it doesn't take long. And I've had periods where I have been in sobriety where I've isolated. And the, luckily, the damage isn't irreparable. But certainly, when you come through the other side, you suddenly realize how quickly you can descend. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so is that is that what you call complacency? I think it is. I think it's complacency. Yeah laziness um certainly and that's why i think it's the the regular attendance of meetings is very important to me because i i was told very early on never underestimate the power of an aa meeting and i I, and every time i go and i went to one recently where i was having an awful time with a particular part of my life that isn't often spoken about the guy that was a guest speaker got up Never heard anyone speak about this from the floor meeting. That's what he spoke about. Yeah, yep. Straight up to him after the meeting. And that's what I find happens. If I'm willing, so yep. if I front up to meetings, if I'm honest with other people, solutions and answers come my way. Yeah. <laughs> strange, isn't it? It is strange. Yeah. Um, so what about relationships now? Uh, relationships with my family are very good. I'm very close with my brother, Sober and been sober and a longer than I have, and my mum. Uh, I'm in. I'm separated from my ex-wife. We got on very well. Uh, I'm in a long-term relationship with another girl who has. She doesn't drink. Yeah. Doesn't have a drink problem. Yep. She just doesn't drink. Um, that has its challenges because we, when we first met, obviously I've been sober a long time. It's hard for her to put the picture of the person I was to the person I am now. She often says, I just can't imagine you <laughs> like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just doesn't. And I take that as a compliment. Yes. That, that yeah. I actually feel quite good about that. Yeah. Um, but certainly relationships, I think, are difficult for most people. I think it's the essence of, for me as a person, um, I want to have relationships with other people. I think if I put other people first, whether it's my own daughter's, my partner, my parents, my friends, I get a lot of benefit out of that. And I think I travel better as a human being. I function better as a human being. I make yep. better decisions in my life. Yeah. Yep. Um, so what about, does it make you a better judge of yourself as far as how you're traveling? It can do. It's funny. If I'm coming up against something, self-interest is a very powerful tool for anyone. Yeah. If I'm, trying to convince myself that I need to do something and there's self-interest in it, I'm a very good judge because I know where I want to go. Yep. The flip side of that is if I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing and I'm trying to justify that behaviour, I'm the worst judge. You know, I'm the worst. Yeah. I need other people to judge me on that because yeah. I will then come up with every reason about why me doing something is a particularly good idea, even if I know it's not. Yep. So... Um You've been going to AA for 28 years, so why do you keep going? Fear. And I, I don't mean that in a negative way. Mm. I, I, I've heard a lot of people say they don't need AA anymore. That's great. The two reasons I go, one is 
as I said before, I got sober when I came to AA. I don't want to jeopardise that. That just seems to make sense to me. Mm. But two, other people that front up to AA, if people like me that get sober leave, who do they turn to? Turn yeah. to? Yeah. And there were people that have been sober and I was there. And oh, I think that's very important. The, the one thing about AA, it's, they, they say you've got to give it away to keep it. Yeah, okay. Um, so... Do you reckon AA saved your life? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I look, I never tried suicide, so I can't say I wanted yeah. to end my life, but it was a miserable existence. I uh, you know, I was someone that was institutionalized a few times. Uh there wasn't a lot of joy there. I saw my future there. If if I lived, that was what was in store for me. Yeah. Um it's not pretty, is it? It's no, it's not pretty. No. Um it's a very and I think there's very few things I remember now as vividly as when they happened. But the first morning I woke up um, in an institution strapped to a bed stays with me because I was pet- I thought I would just cease to exist. I was so frightened. Um, so death might have been you know an option for a lot of people. It wasn't for me. Uh, but certainly every benefit I've got in life is due to the fact I got sober and I went to AA. Yeah. Uh, so what about involvement in AA? What do you do? Um, there's various things you can do. It can be as simple as just turning up to a meeting to make up the numbers. If yeah. I'm there, there's a meeting. If other yeah. people are there, there's a meeting. Chairs have to go out. Yeah. Coffee's got to be made. Cups have got to be washed up after. People, you know, there's a big thing in AA about greeting people at the door, shaking someone's hand, making them feel welcome. Yep. There's lots of little things in the meeting. Being the secretary of the meeting, which means you're responsible to open the meeting. Donating money so the meeting can go. And it is, uh, there's no um, uh, amount of money you can give AA. There's no prerequisite. It's just purely yep. voluntary. But yep. it is important in that sense. Then there's the broader part of AA, which is having, you know, leaflets printed, the big book printed, the ongoing support there. So as you get longer sober, you can move up to a slightly higher level you know, and cover a broader part of AA. Yeah. Okay. So do you have a home group? Yes. Yeah. Do you have a sponsor? Uh, yes. Yeah. And so what? tell us a bit about sponsorship and the, the importance of a home group. The importance of a home group, It when I first got sober, there was one meeting I went to and what, people get to know you. You know, you could literally yes. flit around from meeting to go to a lot of different meetings and just give a little bit of yourself and pretend everything's okay. When you go to a home, when you first get sober, if you go to a home group, people get to know you. They get to know, as we said before, the easiest person in the world to fool is yourself and you don't want that to do it. Sponsorship to me is quite simple. It's it's, it's twofold. One is someone that's worked through the 12 steps of AA and talking to them and letting them take you through that. Uh, And the second part of it is having someone on a personal level that gets to know you that you can ring up and they don't, they're not there to run your life. You know, I've, I've worked with different people myself as a sponsor and a sponsee and some people want you to ring them a lot. Some people, it's up to you. You ring whenever you want. There's yeah. various ways of doing it. But the ultimate advantage to that is consistency in getting to know someone and consistency for them to getting to know you. Yeah, and the connection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there is a... You connect very easily. You know, I've travelled overseas and gone to meetings. I've gone to meetings where no one speaks English. You and know, you and I it. sat and I still felt at ease and calm in that meeting. Yeah, 
you know. Yeah, it's amazing. Isn't it? it is amazing. Yeah. Um, so what about getting on with people in AA? Is it, <laughs> it what's it like? <laughs> oh, alcoholics are very opinionated. Yeah. Even when they get sober. Yeah. Um, and certainly I, I've taken the approach of I don't want to get involved. You know, when I see things happen, it means unless I think it's detrimental to the newcomer, um, if it's just someone's opinion and they, they're, yeah. I'm happy for them to have it, whether I agree with it or not. But it can be difficult. You know, AA's an amazing place. You know, how if I think back to when it started and think a few people that were as mad and insane as I managed to get that to work for as long as it took to get newer members in and continue to grow. Yeah. Uh, is an, yeah. is amazing. Yeah. I, I I can imagine five people like I was at a week sober trying to work a program of recovery. Yeah. Don't know how they did it. I'm no. glad they did. Yeah. And I'm glad it's still here now. But there is a lot of controversy in AA as well. Yeah. yeah, with what people say and opinions, but that's separate from the program of AA, which just is what it is. Mm. It doesn't change. Yeah. And what's it like being a dad? I love it. I love it. I um I have two daughters and it's interesting the perspective I have on life now is totally different. You know, I've spoken to my mum about now understanding a lot of what she went through when, when I was drinking. Yeah, yeah. Um I'm very lucky my daughters um are very affectionate girls. Um they're very understanding. Uh they love hanging out with me. You know, we have a very close connection. Um and I think I can sum it up best by saying when it comes to having kids, I can imagine my life without everything in it except my daughters. Yes. yeah, That's the one thing. I can imagine it without every single other person, but I don't want to imagine a life without my kids. And that was the different perspective because I felt incredibly uh, powerless over the feelings I have towards my own kids. And that's incredibly... uh, wonderful experience to have but it can be incredibly frightening to have yes. at the same time yeah i've got two daughters too yeah it's good feeling to have a good relationship with the kids that's for sure yes yeah okay uh well listen if anybody's out there who'd like to find out more about alcoholics anonymous then you can phone them on one three hundred triple two triple two, uh or you can go online at aa.org.au Uh, That's about all we've got time for today. So I'd like to thank Steve for coming in to the radio station today and sharing his Alcoholics Anonymous recovery experience with us. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Uh, I hope you'll be able to join us again next week when we'll be talking about recovery from food addiction and we'll be joined by some members of Overeaters Anonymous. Uh, Thanks for listening. And if you stay tuned now, um, there's a new show called Alternative, hosted by Robbie. And to take us out, we've got a song called Stone Cold by Ben Warren.
got no place in my time. Always dated, but now I'm paying with the house that's so damn quiet. Plenty of time to drink and party till I'm blue in the face. But behind the smile is taking me a while to try to eradicate the pain. These demons driving me insane.